Today's episode is brought to you by Romer Skincare. Based out of Chicago, Romer launched a work-from-home clean skincare line that covers all your skin needs. They proved that you don't need a million serums and eye creams to get better skin. Why we love them? Clean ingredients and effective results with just a simple three-step routine that you and even your partner can share. Right now, Romer Skincare is offering our listeners 15% off and a gift with your first purchase by using the code LISTENER15. That's code LISTENER15 on their website, romerskincare.com. No stress, no clutter, just happy skin. Just don't point it out. Nobody will know. No one knows. No one knows. I don't know. I don't know either. I was wondering who you were going to cover. I was like, I wonder if we're going to be the same person. One of these days we're going to. I really like this nail polish. Thanks. You want me to paint your nails? Yeah. Is it gel? Or is it real? Mm-hmm. Gel. Maybe. So the sticker looks like it's like a midnight blue. It's totally it's, purple. It's like violet. Yeah. Oh, it looks good in the sun. Not so much that light. <laughs> well. Anywho. I think we both have long stories, so maybe we shouldn't chit-chat so much. But they love us. They but love how's your week been? We gotta do that. Chit-chat. It's just what we do. Um, how's my week? What's today? Today's Thursday. It is. It's Thursday Thursday. About to be. We're gonna go have some Mexican food. <laughs> I've had my protein coffee, so I am hyped, and then I'm gonna finish it off with some drinks after this. And chips. Mm-hmm. Queso. Queso. Frescoes are on the border. Oh, TB. It's cheaper. Yeah, I was going to say it's cheaper. Frescoes taste better, but... Cheaper. Um, this week, this week. Oh, I might have, like, a new position at work. Not necessarily new, but I'm going to get my own office. That'd be cool. So that means I can listen to murdery shit. Yes. louder. <laughs> yes. And I can sing. Duh. We do that <laughs> so... at work anyways. <laughs> I mean, I kind of do, but I can get louder, you yeah. know, because I have a door. That'd be great. Um, I don't have to answer the phone. I don't have to answer emails. So basically, I'm just going to be doing new arrivals, which I already do. Right. Only. That's awesome. Because they say they need, like, customer service 8 to 5. Becky yeah. doesn't want to stay till 5, so they're basically just going to replace me, and I'm going to basically do Lori's job, I guess. Nice. Um, because Tiffany, who's, like, our photographer, who yeah. kind of is splitting the duties... She's, like, busy as hell, so I'm guessing I'm going to take... I mean, really, all she does is proof me and put in the models and jewelry and whatnot, mm-hmm. so I guess I'll probably have to proof myself now and <laughs> hopefully catch my mistakes. Yeah. We'll see. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited since I'm still there. Well, good <laughs> might, for you. Might as well move up while I'm there. I'm still learning how to do more work at work and not getting a pay raise or oh, bump yeah. or anything, so that's... That's yeah. great. <laughs> Hopefully I get a pay raise. I didn't ask it. Oh, but I was a little pissed because apparently Becky's known for like over two weeks. About you like getting your thing? About me like basically I, I say you're getting replaced. Not necessarily replaced. But they didn't even ask me if I thought this would be like a good move. They just did it. Until Monday. Yeah, they do that. I'm like, what if I would have said no? I love customer service and I want to be here. You don't though. But I kind of love all the windows up front. I'm not mm. going to have a window now. Oh, that sucks. I'm going to go from all windows to no windows. Welcome to my life. I don't have a window until I go out for lunch. Everyone's like, why do you sit in your car for lunch? I'm like, because I need, I need some sunshine in my life. So I'm going to have to start doing that, I guess. Because I, I do. do love the sun. Mm-hmm. So that's my big news. Um, yeah. 
Mine's been uneventful. <laughs> I've had the last two days off, and then I go tomorrow, and I had today off because I switched with a girl because Harley has her first heartworm treatment on Saturday, so I have to work on Saturday. So I'm working my first of three Saturdays in a row when I oh. don't work Saturdays. Fun! Yay! <laughs> well, you got your tattoo done. I, I added work, more to worked it. on. Yeah. We're going to do one more session and add on probably two more things. We kind of talked about the two other things that we're going to add to fill in space. Because I want this space filled in and this. Mm-hmm. And then he wants to fill in a space on the back. But I told him that's like, not hurt like a bitch. Like, I can't even see that. <laughs> yeah. But... So we'll see. That won't be until like beginning of the year though, because he's booked and I am broke. And Carver's gotta have surgery <laughs> at some broke. point. Aww. Yeah, he's gotta get his mask removed because it's getting bigger. Poor guy. Just nip that in the butt. Poor Trip. I feel like it's so weird. I feel like okay, so Trip's my dog, y'all. Um, and he's he's old AF. How old is he? Fourteen-ish. Yeah, I think so. He's fourteen. So it's like his back half's deteriorating, but I feel bad because it's like from the hips forward. He's same old Trip. Yeah. But it's like his butt and his back legs are just like. Well, retrievers tend to have like hip dysplasia and hip issues, anyways, which is why you really like. It's good that you have them on the joint supplement now, but it would have been even better had you started it earlier. Yeah. Which I learned that with Cairo. He's he'll be eight next month, and he started like having issues. Like it looked, you know, like when you're sitting Gosh, down for a while eight. and it hurts to stand up. Oh yeah. Like you get stuck almost, like stiff. That's how he was acting. So I put him on that joint mm-hmm. the, uh, joint supplement, and he's, he's been so on young. it for. Not for him. His breed only, like, the max for his breed is, like, 12 years, and it's really, like, 8 to 10. Oh. So he'll be dead soon. No! He will. say that! Casey, on the other hand, is going to outlive him. everyone just to spite me. Yeah. She's cute, but... Oh, hyena. I like high rope more. I don't. Well, the rest of our catching up, we'll have to do off mic. Yeah. Might be, t- t- uh, what is it, TMI? TMI, probably. <laughs> We're not that close, guys. Maybe later. <laughs> Whale... So, you can go first. Didn't I go first last time? I don't know. I don't know. I pick you. Okay. Or we can rock, paper, scissors again if you want. I'll go first. That's fine. Okay. So. I saw his name and I was like. Yeah. It's it, great. It reminded me of Vince Gill. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> when I just glanced at it, that's what I saw. So, I will say. Well, first, I'm changing directions from my missing people in cold cases. Oh, good job. I'm going to talk about a serial killer. And I'd actually never really heard of him until I started doing this research. But he is just great. <laughs> Quite the accomplished serial killer, if I do say so myself. Oh, okay. This is also your trigger warning. If you don't like gore or easily upset, just skip ahead because I couldn't really <laughs> spare this. any details because it just... You wouldn't have, like, grasped the oh. shittiness of him if I didn't. I cut out some gore. So, and I also just want you to have the full effect. So, here we nice. go. You've been warned. One second. Did you lock the front door? Yes, I did. Perfect. Okay, continue. <laughs> um, so, I'm doing Sean Vincent Gillis. He was born on June 24th, 1962, which is also my brother's birthday, except not in the 60s. Which brother? Bobby. Okay. Yeah, he was born on the 24th of June. He was born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and that's where most of his crimes take place. He was raised by his mom, Yvonne. 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 (laughs) His dad, Norman, apparently had some mental health issues as well as being an alcoholic, and he left Yvonne and Sean the year that he was born. But by all accounts, Sean had a fairly normal childhood. Nothing really bad happened to him, aside from his dad dipping out early. (laughs) Dipping Um, out. Yeah. 
but he knew both sets of his grandparents like even his dad's grand or his dad's parents he was really close with them and saw them a lot so his mom worked full-time to provide it for him and kind of seemed to dote on him people said that as a kid he was a really good kid he made good grades and he went to a catholic school he had some friends that he hung around growing up so he wasn't a super loner so like his childhood isn't like most serial killers that mm -hmm. we hear about um, as he got older, though, some people said that he was kind of odd, that he had some angry outbursts. However, if you ask his mother, by all accounts, um, he was just a good, happy boy. She, Ugh. from some of the stuff that I've read, it's like she was in denial. Um, the type that's like, my kid can do no wrong. Ew, that's how I feel about the Watts family. Yeah. His mom. Yeah. Something's wrong with her brain. Yeah, so she's kind of, that's just what I picked up on. Um... If other people can see that your teenager has anger issues, there's no way you can't see it too. Like, you yeah. just kind of choose to put those blinders on. One neighbor had actually said that she heard loud banging noises at about 3 a.m. and saw Sean in his front yard beating some garbage cans. Around the same time, I couldn't really pinpoint, like, a timeline. It was kind of vague, but I'm guessing 17-ish. He was also stopped by cops for beating on some other property in the middle of the night. And it was, so that's pretty clear he had some type of anger issues or something. After high school, he did go to a community college, and he had several low-paying jobs like convenience stores, things like that, and lived with his mother. Around that time, he began to develop an interest in online porn, and it started as, I guess, regular porn, Goody. is what we'll call it. <laughs> Apparently, his addiction to porn got so bad that it started to affect his life. Like, he would legit miss work just to stay home and be on Ew, his computer. what a sicko. Yeah. So that's kind of where it got, gets weird. He had some minor infractions and interactions with the law growing up, um, like after his, you know, after high school, basically. Possession of marijuana, DUI, and a contempt of court charge. Nothing uh, crazy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I have a contempt of court charge. What is that? I don't even know. Where you don't show up to court. Oh. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, it'll be fine. Um, so, but still worthy of mentioning, but it's not too crazy. When he was 30, he was still living with his mother. Oh, Mm-hmm. She got a job in Atlanta, Georgia, and asked Sean to go with her, but he insisted on staying there in that house. So his mom said okay Gross. and even kept paying the mortgage to make sure he had a place to live at 30. Fuck that. If that's not <laughs> enabling your child, I'm really not sure what is. She knew he was a psycho. To add to that, she also sent him extra money to live off of because he couldn't hold down a career. Wow. Yeah. It is hard adulting. It really is. I'm 30. I'm, I don't know if do I can it. go it much longer. Well, you better <laughs> hope you have a mom that's going to pay your rent and send you extra money. No, that's fine, sugar daddy. <laughs> <laughs> After his mom left and moved to Atlanta, Sean became extra lonely and even more angry. He would scream. These are accounts like by some neighbors. He would scream at the sky in the middle of the night and curse his mother for leaving. Sir, you chose to stay. She asked you to go yeah, with her. True, true. So in 1992, which is a little bit after his mom left, I'm assuming, because that would make him about 30 at that point, he was actually caught by some neighbors peeping into the window of a young neighbor girl. Okay, I'm just picturing Bates Motel here. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Ew. Well, once his mom moved to Atlanta, she's really not mentioned anymore. Like, hmm. I, don't, I don't know what happened to her. Anyways, in 1994, Sean met a woman named Terry Lemoyne. A mutual friend introduced them because they had a lot in common. They apparently both love science fiction, Star Trek, and collecting things. 
Terry said in an interview, a lot of the stuff that I have found was from the True Crime, True Crime Daily website, and there's also like a five-part YouTube videos on it. Um, but Terry says that they were pretty platonic, but still in a relationship. Even after she moves in with him, it's still quote-unquote platonic. I'm not sure how that works, but to each their own. So Terry said that she knew about Sean's interest in porn, but she was not aware of the type of porn that he was now into. Because apparently from his, his porn addiction has grown from regular porn to like the violent, gory, murder staged type Ugh. porn. Like, It's weird to me that that's a thing. Right. Some people How need weird. to go to church. How strange. Wrong. Like, yeah, that's what gets me off is watching people be killed. Okay. So Naked. sexy. I guess. <laughs> Naked. But Terry also said in an interview with True Crime Daily that Sean did not believe in sex. And when she asked him about it one time, he simply told her that he had been taught that it was a nasty thing and that he shouldn't do it. That's from his mother. But let me get this straight. Watching violent porn is okay. His mom probably told never told him not to do that. But not having actual sex with your girlfriend. Yeah, that's wrong. You'll go to hell. Oh. <laughs> Well, I'm fucking going to hell in gasoline underwear. (laughs) So Terry didn't like that Sean... You would think that she'd, like, catch up on some of these red flags. Apparently not. Terry didn't like... They didn't have sex. Maybe. But they were in, like, a 10-year relationship. Oh. Like, they lived... a long time. Yeah. And I heard somewhere that they had apparently only had sex, like, a handful of times over this whole 10 years. Like, very, very few times. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so Terry didn't like that Sean was a heavy drinker and that he wasn't interested in sex, but because she is such a great girlfriend, she just accepted him for who he was and actually blamed his lack of interest in sex on his porn addiction. Hmm. I mean, sure. If your man would rather watch porn than have sex with you, there's a problem. There's a huge problem. And I'm not sure I could stay in that relationship. You're just not a good girlfriend. Oh. Apparently. You right. She went 10 years. Oh, yes. <laughs> so. Uh, oh, Sean's only job. I'm Aaron now. <laughs> Where was I? So Sean's only job after Terry moved in was basically to pick her up from her shift at the convenience store that she worked at. She also worked overnight, so I imagine that gave Sean all the time in the world to become the fantastic serial killer that he was. Sean's first murder actually happened the year him and Terry got together. Oh, nice. Yeah. In 1994, 81-year-old Ann Bryan was his first victim. By Gillis's account, he only wanted to rape her, Ew. but she screamed and it made him go wild and he stabbed her 47 times with most oh. of those stab wounds focusing on her head, genitals, and chest. He <laughs> almost decapitated her with one of those stabs and her murder would remain completely unsolved for 10 years. What? Mm -hmm. Are you shitting me? No. And you know how he picked her was at the time when him and Terry met, he also worked at like a gas station convenience store type thing. Mm -hmm. And she and Brian lived in like a retirement old like senior living type area or Mm -hmm. center. And he, it was across the street so he could see it. So not only did he choose her this way 
and he just like she hadn't her door was unlocked so he just like walked in one night and was like i'm gonna rape you but if you're gonna scream then i'm gonna stab you he apparently didn't plan to At kill the her. center? Like, was there no people around? I don't know if maybe it like was, a like... old folks' community? Maybe. It did, I couldn't... All Weird. I could find that she lived in, like, a senior citizen type... I don't know if it was, like, a hospice or if it was, like... My Mima used to live in, like, an old folks' community. Like, an over 55 living... Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. She was 80, so... Right. So... <laughs> That's nuts. Why you'd want so to rape an 81-year-old? Right. So, unsolved for 10 years... Sean did not kill again for five years. That is a hell of a cooling off period. And when asked why he did not kill for five years, he said, well, I was happy. So for five years, he was happy and didn't need to kill. Probably because his gory porn just kept him satisfied. Wow. But in January of 1999, Catherine Hall was found at the end of a dark country road. She was naked, had been strangled, and her body had been hacked and sliced to the bone. She was also found displayed beneath a dead end sign, which they thought was, uh, which they actually found out was, uh, it was almost like a a joke to him. Like, oh, dead end, and then there's a dead body. (laughs) That's kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrible. Dead end. So, (laughs) she was also sexually assaulted post-mortem. They found a pubic hair in her mouth. With the root of it still attached, so that meant that it allowed for full DNA testing. Catherine was a sex worker and and a reported drug user in the area. Sean had picked her up one night, and right after she got in the car, he overpowered her and put a plastic zip tie around her neck, continued to mutilate her, and then dumped her body. Oh my gosh. Hardy Schmidt was the next victim just a few months later in 1999. She was a 52-year-old mother with three children. She was out for an early morning jog, and shot. Sean drove past her and saw her and decided that she was going to be his next victim. He had stalked her for about three weeks prior to killing her. He actually hit her one morning with his car while she was out running. Like he did with Catherine, he put a heavy-duty plastic zip tie around Hardy's neck, choked her, and took her to a nearby park. There he raped her, murdered her, mutilated her, and then loaded her body into the trunk of his car. Then Homeboy just decides to go about the rest of his day, no big deal, with her body still in his car. He even had to take Terry to work with Hardy's body still in his trunk. Wow. Terry had actually commented on the smell and was like, well, dude, it sinks. Like, what's happening? I was like, there's no way that she just didn't know about well, this. Well, he simply told her that he hit an animal earlier. And in her interview, she was like, I was tired. I really didn't think much of it. Like, cool, you hit a fucking animal. It stinks. Whatever. Like, I'm tired. Take me home to go to bed. Hmm. So after dropping her off, Sean then takes Hardy's body and dumps her into a bayou that's about 30, 35 miles away from his house. She didn't wonder where he went? She went to bed. She worked the overnight shift, so he dropped her off and she went to bed. Oh, mm-hmm. she said that he went to go clean the car. Oh, okay. And she was like, cool, I'm going to go to sleep. Okay. So in November of 99, so a few months later, Joyce Williams is a 36-year-old sex worker. She's the next victim. He picks her up, also uses a zip tie, and strangles her. Now he gets a little bit more bold because Terry is out of town on a work trip. He brings Joyce's body back to their house so he can mutilate her there. And now, so we've established that he likes to strangle people in necrophilia. Now he cuts off her nipples and he chooses to eat them. Oh. So he's escalated to cannibalism. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. 
and Joyce's body was later dumped in a forest not too far from his house. She was found in parts, in in actual parts, in early My 2000s. My nipples hurt. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't. <laughs> too many details. <laughs> so her leg was found first by some hunters, and then the rest of her body was found shortly thereafter. Mm. The next victim is 52-year-old Lillian Robinson in 2000. She was also a sex worker, picked up, strangled with a zip tie. He takes her back to her ha- to his house, just like Joyce. However, Terry is not out of town. She's just at work, so he is on a time crunch. He raped her post-mortem before dumping her body in some swampy area. Yeah. Mm. So now, October of 2000, Marilyn Nebels, she is a 38-year-old sex worker, same story with a zip tie and strangulation. He goes on to mutilate her and then dumps her body just a few miles now from his house. So with this poor woman, no one even knew that Marilyn was dead. Like, no one looked for her. No one reported her missing. She was never even identified as being dead until Sean confessed to her murder. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. So was she a sex worker as well? She was. Okay. I didn't understand that. So, Sean decided to take another cooling-off period, this time for only about three years. And in 2003, Derek Todd Lee was arrested, and the police actually thought that all the killings would stop. So, they assumed that Derek Todd Lee was kind of responsible for everything. Oh, yeah. But at this time, there was five serial killers total in this area at that time. So... I remember when we covered him, it talked about other stuff going on, too. Yeah. Yep. Um, the fuck? So, they arrested him. He was arrested in 2003, but the killings kept happening. So, clearly, that's when they realized, like, oh, shit, someone else is out. In October of 2003, Sean targets Johnny Mae Williams. She was a divorced mother of three, and Sean actually knew her for a pretty long time. She was also a sex worker and a drug user, but he knew her because he paid her to clean his house sometimes. Um, She, of course, was strangled to death. She was found with her arms folded up under her body, but when they moved her, they saw that her hands had been cut off. But they also found a human hair on her bones, like it stuck to the bone. Ew. Yeah. In February of 2004, Sean picked up Donna Johnston, and this is victim number eight. She was mother of five and divorced, just like Johnny Williams was. She, too, was a sex worker. Apparently, she was out drinking, and it was pretty clear that she was just white girl wasted. Sean picks her up, uses a zip tie, and strangles her. He slashes both of her breasts, cuts off her nipples. She also had a butterfly tattoo. I believe it was, like, on her upper thigh. He cut that off after she was dead. And he cut off her left arm just at the elbow. And would you like to know what he does with this arm? No. Well, you're going to. (laughs) He proceeds to masturbate with it. I was going to say he's probably going to get himself off with it. So when she was found, they found DNA under her fingernails on her Why not right just leave hand. it attached and do that if you're going to do well, it? Because he wants to do it himself, but still with someone else's hand. Oh, fucking weirdo. Yeah. So they have the <laughs> hair from... Whose was it? The chick's mouth, right? Yep. No. Yes. Pubic hair mm-hmm. from the chick's mouth. Um, from the first baby. Mm-hmm. And then Johnny May, they had a human hair found on her bones. And then they have DNA under Donna Johnson's fingernails. But also at Donna Johnson's crime scene, they found some tire tracks that they thought were pretty significant. So they did a tire cast of them. And it gave them a list of everyone who owned that particular tire. They were able to narrow it down to less than 100 possible people. 
Good. They pretty much went door to door and asked people to voluntarily submit a DNA swab, and most people were like, sure, I haven't killed anyone. Like, <laughs> okay. Sure. So, when they get to Sean's door, they thought that he was a little suspicious just by some of his comments. He basically gave a reason for why his tire tracks might have been at the crime scene. Something about, well, I had to go to the bathroom. Mm. Like, yeah, I was there, but it wasn't to kill someone. Um, and he also admitted knowing to Donna... And he also gave a reason to why cops might find blood in his car. Because they were like, hey, should we find blood in your car? Do you have a reason for that? And he was like, oh, yeah. Of course. So let me play you this real quick clip of his reasoning for why there is blood on his car. Because he hits people with it. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, but like. All right. So what he says is that my wife had her period. Oh. And it was like a massacre in the front seat. Ew. Yeah. Okay, does he not realize it can test blood? He gave more details on this whole period issue. But they could obviously mm-hmm. run it and be like, um, well that's not your wife. Yep. Wait, was he married? He was talking about Terry. No, they were never married. Oh, okay. So they eventually got a search warrant for his house, and they found all the incriminating evidence. They found pictures on his computer of his victims dead, several knives, saws, zip ties, external hard drives, newspaper clippings about Derek Todd Lee. But it wasn't him. He didn't do it. Found books about serial killers and necrophilia, and the list goes on. When the SWAT team came to Sean and Terry's house, she was so confused and was just like, what is happening? You have the wrong person. One officer finally turned to her and said, did you not know that you were living with a serial killer? Mm-hmm. Are you really a dumbass? Mm-hmm. Or right. are you in on it? When the cops told her that he admitted to killing women, she said, well, I'll just have to ask him myself. So she did. She went wow. in and was like, I need you to tell me, did you do this? And he said, yeah, sorry, honey bunny. And she said at that point, she just walked away. Oh my God. Yep. So once Sean started confessing, boy, did he confess. This is how we have most of these details. He said that he had an erotic shower with Donna Johnston, which was the last victim, like full on bathed her. Like when the cops was like, so you use soap? And he was like, well, yeah, we were taking a shower together. After she was dead? Yeah. Just held her up and. That's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gave Johnny Williams hands a manicure after he had cut them off. And he performed. Gotta be fancy while he's jerking himself off with them. Of course. And with Joyce Williams, he performed a type of autopsy. On his kitchen floor. They said that whenever they finally... Which she was the one where um, Terry was just at work. So he mm-hmm. cut her... Like, they almost decapitated her in his house. In the kitchen. And he somehow <laughs> managed to clean it up. But they said that when they sprayed and, like, tested for, like, a blood spatter and all that. That, like, underneath the cabinets on the floorboards and everything. That it just lit up. Mm. Um... So he confessed to eight murders, but he's only been charged in seven of them. Lillian Robinson's case is still considered unsolved and open, even though he confessed to it. I don't know if that has, I don't know. I don't know if that has to do with like a lack of evidence or what. But he is currently in prison serving several life sentences. Um, The jury's death row. Well, because the jury said that he didn't deserve like the death penalty. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
So if you care to hear any more of his <laughs> okay, confession, idiot. there are several videos, like I said, on YouTube. So there is also a letter <laughs> he wrote to Donna's friend, so the last victim, while he was in prison. And it actually ended up being one of the nails in his trial coffin. So in the videos, like some of the interrogation videos, at one point, like he's talking and talking and talking. And then all of a sudden he's like, I think maybe I should have a lawyer. Mm. But then he keeps talking. Stupid. And so they, his defense people tried to say that like it was inadmissible because he asked for a lawyer and he didn't get one. And they're like, but we weren't asking questions. So he just kept talking. Right. So he actually, some of it was... You had the right to remain silent. So And you didn't. You didn't. So some of them, some of it was no longer admissible in court. However, this letter that he sent to Donna's friend, which she was shocked to, she was like, I didn't think he would actually write to me, but he did. So in did the letter... Did she write him first? Mm-hmm. Oh. And he just wrote back. He apparently has some brain problem. Yeah. I mean, well, obviously, but... So in the letter, the part that, like, really, they were able to get first-degree murder for Donna's, Donna's case, um, he says, Your friend died quickly. She was so drunk, it only took about a minute and a half to succumb to unconsciousness and then death. Honestly, her last words were, I can't breathe. Yours, oh so beyond sorry, Sean Vincent Gillis. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And part of the um, prosecution for the jurors, I did read that they made them sit in silence for 90 seconds. And they were like, this is how long it took Donna to die. Mm. Per his own letter. I think I've heard either of that or something similar where mm-hmm. they make them sit there and be quiet. Yep. Um, oxygen, like investigation discovery, I've also done a couple things on him. Oxygen had like, what is it, killer confessions or something like that. They have part of his confession um the true crime daily they have a five-part series on youtube there's all kinds of stuff on him i'd never heard of him before but uh i don't know that i have either but he's just quite wow well my story's not that dark i mean it, it is but i'm not gonna go into all the details but you'll you'll see you'll see <laughs> well it's sad how you can prefer one murder over another Yeah, murder. I like this murderer better. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to cover Clementine Barnabet, which I have some of the podcasts I listen to. They call her Clementine, but I'm going to call her Clementine. Clementine. Like an orange, right? Clementine oranges? Is that what they are? Yep. Okay. Anyways. Yep, yep, yep. So she was born in 1894, so we're, get, we're going far back there. Taking it back. She was one of two children to Raymond Barnabet and Nina Porter. She had a younger brother named um, Zephyrin, uh, which I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that right. We'll never know because they're dead. (laughs) (laughs) So sorry. Um, She was born in St. Martinville, Louisiana, and later the family moved to Lafayette in 1909. Clementine would have been about 15 at this time. Said that her father was abusive and later... Oh, and later attends a trial completely drunk, so it's safe to say he was also a drinker. At 17, Clementine joined a cult called the Church of Sacrifice. Sounds like a promising cult. Yes, at 17. She's just moving on up. They believe that human sacrifice would give them immortality. Why do cults think that? That is like a common thing with cults. If I kill a person, it gives me immortality. Where so. does that come from? I guess it's in the Bible. Is it? <laughs> I've read the Bible. So, I don't but... think that's in there. 
Oh, okay. Well, they did. Um, the sacrifices that took place were part of a voodoo ritual. Rit- ritual. Ritual. <laughs> you know the word I'm trying to say. <laughs> and somehow the number of five had ritual relevance. I couldn't find much about the fives or the church, so. Um, Probably the five points of the star. That's what a lot of them are. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Pentagram, because Pentas five. Blip, blip, oh, blip, yeah. Hmm. Okay. That'd be my guess. Yeah, makes sense. I'm in a cold. Oh. Sweet. <laughs> in 1911, um, African-American families began living in fear because there was a murder rampage that was starting. Families usually of five in some way. Um, so either, like, five people in the home at the time or maybe, like, a mother, father, and three kids. Not necessarily the entire family of five was murdered, but... But typically five people? Somehow five would be involved um but they were being axed in the middle of the night on sundays all were murdered with axes in the victim's home and it was not something they brought with them all the axes were found in the homes which was also like the axe man I and, like he left the axes <laughs> well after i was listening i was like well let me look this up because it was like wait is this the axe story but no separate but what, what years was Mine that? Mine was like 1911. So same exact time. Right. So that's kind of strange. Um, January of 1911, the Byers family was killed. Someone came through a unlocked window and axed the family to death in their sleep um, with their own axe. And the axe was found at the scene. And this was called the most brutal murder in that section. Turn my page. Ugh. <laughs> I wrote it out today, y'all. <laughs> Didn't even type it or use talk text. Anyways, so most brutal murder in, in the history of that section is the quote. Um, and that was according to a local newspaper. Walter Byers, his wife and son were all found lying in their beds, skulls split open, and sheets drenched with blood and brain matter. Yum. Yes. So... Some sources say this murder may have been connected to the case of a woman named Edna Opalosis. Opalosis? I don't know. But her and her three children were killed in Rain, Louisiana, November 1909. Um, and the buyer's murder was in Crowley, Louisiana, and I mapped it, and it was only about eight miles from each other. Hmm. So, but a good almost full year apart, a year and a couple months, so not too sure. I don't know if they were ever, like, officially linked together. Um, the next murder was just two weeks later, which is another reason I'm not sure if they're linked because you went from like one year to just a couple weeks. Yeah. But you never know. Years went five years. What? Well, they said about the axe man that like he had it, like it was like, he had like a two or three year span, but then they thought that like a few years prior, he could have been tied to something else, but they couldn't be for sure. I wonder if they're all the same. What if they're all the same? Wouldn't that be interesting? Where was yours at? New Orleans. I don't know how far that is from. We'll have to map it. <laughs> now I'm curious. They're in the same cult. Maybe. Look up Crowley, Louisiana and um, New Orleans. Anywho. Okay, so about two weeks later, the next murder happens. This would be Alexander, Mimi, and their two children. Oh, they're far apart. Like two and a half hours apart. Oh, okay. Yeah, and a hundred years ago, that would be like five oh, wow. hours apart. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's my car. They didn't have those back then. <laughs> yeah, driving 15 miles an hour. Anyways, um, so Alexander, Mimi, their children, they were axed. Um, but this time their bodies were staged. They were propped up on their knees, bedside. Mimi's arm was over Alexander's shoulder as if they were praying. And the children were laid out in front of them on the bed. Police said, if not for all the blood and brain matter, the scene would almost give a serene feel. How creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking weird. Um, the next murder takes place in March of 1911. Um, but this time in Texas. Um, Louis Castaway, his wife and three children, were the victims. They, There were suspects for the murders in Texas, um, but they were all cleared. One included a mentally disabled man that had escaped from a mental health hospital, but this was 80 miles away and he was accounted for. Now, Raymond Barnabet, this was her dad, he had a side chick apparently, and they got in a fight and she had talked to a friend and said she wouldn't be surprised if he was linked to the murders. Wow, shady. Yeah, so... That's not the type of person you want in your corner. Yes. And, you know, I couldn't... I didn't hear anything about the the actual wife, Nina. So, hmm. I don't know what happened with her. Maybe they axed her. Who knows? Um, soon the Barnabit family is being questioned. Clementine and her brother right away tell the police that their father was the one. And that um, the night that Andre's family was murdered, that Alexander and Mimi, that her... Wait... I think it was one prior. Um, either way, they tell the police her dad went out at like 7 p.m., came back the next day with blood and brain matter all over his clothes. How would you know that? Oh, that's brain matter on you. I don't know. I've never, you know, chopped up somebody's head and saw brains. I mean, I've seen a real brain, but like, I don't know if I like saw it all chopped up on like your clothes. I don't know if I'd be like, look at this brain matter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can picture it, but I don't want to. Yeah, I don't know about that. So, um, Raymond's arrested, put in jail, and everything should be great because the killer's captured, and now Clementine and their family are safe. They don't have an abusive father around anymore. Sure. Yeah. The end. Yay! Just kidding. So, in November, Norbert Randall. Norbert? <laughs> I don't like that name. <laughs> um, his wife and four children were found axed in their beds. Um, he had been shot in the head. Their 10-year-old daughter had been staying with family. Um, I also read that one of the four children was a nephew, and she happened to be at the uncle's house, which is a weird situation in itself, but could just be because it's 2020 and there's pedophiles out there. Sure. So my mind is, like, in the gutter. So their 10-year-old daughter um, was staying with family and unfortunately came home and found the family. That's awful. That is so sad. Um. But with these murders, each finger on the victim's hands had been spread apart with wood pens, which we'll have to post a photo. Oh, you um, have a photo of it? Yeah. There's Sweet. actually quite a bit of photos. So I'm excited. We'll have to, we'll be sharing a lot, which it's very weird. I don't, okay, so you were talking about the pentagram thing, so maybe, because your hand, I... creepy. Anywho. Um, also at this crime scene, the killer had written with the blood of the victims, quote, human five, and it had Psalm nine written, when he maketh the inquisition for blood, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble. It really amazes me. Now, we all know I am not a religious person by, like, farthest from it, but the interpretations that people take from the Bible amaze me. <laughs> I don't know. Like, 
I understand that the Bible is kind of written that way to be interpreted for different things, but to interpretate it to murder <laughs> is just beyond me. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get I it. Can't, I can't. I don't understand like religious cults and sacrifices just because like you can't sit there and read this Bible and say, I don't care what version you read. You cannot well, read. I don't get how they thought they were going to like live forever after all this. Like it, it doesn't say that in Hi, there. Peppers. So can you get out? No, Marley needs some love. We're recording, ma'am. <gasps> but look at this sweet face. Marley wants to join. Can you speak? Woof. Speak. 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 Squirrel. Squirrel, speak. It's going to be so loud when she does. Speak. Speak. <coughs> speak. Get him. <coughs> Where's the squirrel? Where's your ball? Where's your ball? Squirrel? Squirrel? Ah, get off. Does that only work when your dad does it? I know. Squirrel. <coughs> ah! <laughs> God, that was loud. <laughs> okay, we're done. Goodbye. Oh. Go. Go lay down. Go lay down. <laughs> That's a good girl. Anywho, <laughs> back to the murder. <laughs> so that's right on the wall. I don't get it. I don't know what you would interpret from that. Interpret. Interpret. Interpret from that. I don't know. I guess they they think. I don't know. <laughs> Either way. So now police realize that Raymond. Are you taking pictures of her? <laughs> Pay attention. I am, but there's a dog. Squirrel. She looked at me like, bitch, there ain't no damn squirrel. Um, so, police then realized maybe Raymond didn't act alone. He may have not been the suspect. Um, and they return to the Barnabas home and do a thorough search and find um, one of Clementine's dresses have blood and brain on them. There they go, knowing it's brain. So Duh. I guess you can tell. Maybe. Um, they question her, and she's just laughing, and first just denies knowing how it even got there. Um, but she's arrested. Um, then January 23rd of 1912, another Crowley family is axed. Marie Warner, three children, are the victims. Unfortunately, Marie's mother found them the next day. And then again, February 1912. Four more are murdered in Beaumont, Texas, and police now decide they need the Barnabas family to talk because there's obviously more people involved, but mind you, they only have Clementine and the dad arrested at this point. So not the brother? Not the brother. Or the okay. mom that I can't find anything on. <laughs> I'm guessing she wasn't involved. In March of 1912, Clementine confesses. She tells about her life, voodoo, and the Church of Sacrifice, um... How 17-year-old is a cult leader, I don't know, but I imagine she had a way with words. She was innocent, sweet, and persuasive, what is what they do? said. Um, yeah, because she was the leader of the cult at 17 and talked her dad and her brother into joining it. Her abusive dad. <laughs> so, I don't know. She did have was a way with words. the abusive one? Apparently. Yeah, she had a spell on him or something. Huh. <laughs> She said um, she would dress like a man, take train to the town where she was going to kill. She confessed 17 murders, but said she ordered 23 more. Jesus. Yeah. So she said, yes, her father was guilty, but so was her brother. Um, and then I wrote, I didn't know where her mom was, but holy hell, kids and a father in a cult killing African-American families. 
sounds like the life. Um, mm-hmm. And they did target. Sorry, I didn't wow, throw that at you. She's throwing stuff at me. <laughs> they did target like poor African American families. I wonder why. I, I don't know the full reason, but I do mention later. Two of them were actually members of the Colts. Oh. I'm I'm guessing because of what she says. Now where was I? Now that I threw my my paper at you. You're looking somewhere around this part <laughs> yeah. of the page. Um, so in October of 1912 is her trial. At first she says she's innocent and it was her dad. And then later she admits to killing the Randall family and she had an accomplice. And then she changed her story again and said it was her father and her brother and they made her do it. Um, and then also when her dad was on trial, she changed her story again because he was like going to get the death penalty and she said it wasn't him at all and it was all her. So she's not consistent whatsoever. Um, During trial, she did rock in her chair. So they were like, she's going to plead insanity. And she was like confessing, but rocking back and forth, rolling her eyes back in her head, doing all this creepy shit. Um, She confessed to the Randall murders in trial. She said they refused church orders. And so she broke into their home and asked them. And I'm not going to go into the gory details of that, but that's one instance where... People were like, well, I'm wondering if they were part of the cult. Right. So, um, she said the Andres family was chosen because they refused the word of God. So, then there's the second one. So, obviously, they're killing cult members who probably were realizing these people are batshit crazy. Sure. But then they have to kill them <laughs> to, like, keep the cult a secret or I guess whatever. so. They um, talk. But they did say people were chosen at random. So, I'm guessing those two weren't, but everybody else probably was. Ultimately, Clementine did plead insanity, but was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison at the young age of 19. Man, accomplished life. So crazy. So her first murder, she would have been about 17. Um, July 31st of 1913, Clementine did end up escaping prison, but she was caught the same day. Um, But she was considered considered, considered (laughs) a model prisoner. So she was apparently had great behavior in jail. A model prisoner, yet she tried to escape. Okay, but get this. She was set free in 1923. They let her, like, they put her, sentenced her to life, and then she was just let go? Yeah, because she was on good behavior. She only escaped once. She was caught same day. Okay. (laughs) That sounds like the Trump Um, murders that I covered, where the dude, like, they were like, when he escaped... Yeah. And the guy was like, oh, well, he was a good prisoner. He'll come back. Oh, And it was okay. like three years later whenever they caught him. <laughs> They'll just come right back. Yeah. They're just out for a stroll, that's all. Just a little one. It's fine. Um, so, ten years, she's set free. Um, after this, there's no knowledge of her whereabouts and existence. And they say she was released because, one, because she was, um, had good behavior. And because of a procedure which restored her to her normal condition. So probably, um... Lobotomy. Yeah. That's like, what do they call that? Where they, like, stick the thing in the eye and pound. Yeah. Yeah. So, after ten... After serving ten years, she was okay to be released. And that's all I have on her. How weird. (laughs) I'm gonna go chop up whole families. But, it's okay. Now, um, there was a lot about voodoo. Saying that they have, like, these protective gems or something protective and that's why she wouldn't give up her accomplices because they were protected 
and then if she went and gets that, it would come back to her. I don't know. Um, but then she ends up going to jail, but then they're like, well, maybe she really was protected because she ended up getting out. So I don't know about voodoo and spells and all that, but she did get out. But I mean, if she had a lobotomy, I'm sure she's like a vegetable somewhere. Um, well, she, hopefully she's dead by now. She's well, yes. <laughs> now she's probably good. But, um, yeah, so they talk about voodoo and like some of the details and I don't know if this was true because it was just like news reporters saying this but she would like touch the children and stuff after she's killed them so the touch I don't touch them as in like brush mm, them mm, like caress them probably or like not assault them assault them okay but that's just kind of like what people said it wasn't ever in trial that that happened just like rumors speculation yeah creepy as fuck. I don't like it. So I don't know if they could just like tell that there was a sexual assault that happened or I don't like it. Yeah. Fucking creep. Not about it. She's in hell. So it's okay. I'll <laughs> see you there. No you won't. You psycho. That's what we said earlier that we were going to hell. Oh yeah. Because we had sex. We didn't resort to the porn life. We did not. Unfortunately. <laughs> we did it the natural way. Natural way. You know because God doesn't want it to be natural. No, no hell. Definitely not. <laughs> well. So those are our fantastic stories. Those were some intense stories this week. We're right? sorry. And I cut out all the bad stuff. I did not. Uh, I mean, y'all you can picture that. axe, brain, blood, possible child molestation. Nipple eating. What? <laughs> <laughs> so disgusting. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, it's like hide your kids, hide your wives, hide your nipples. <laughs> hide your nipples. <laughs> oh. That's gonna be the title of this episode. <laughs> hide your nipples. Hide your nipples. He's coming for them. <laughs> oh, God, I gotta pee. We gotta go. All right, guys. You know you can follow us and support us on Patreon. We also now use Anchor, so you can also, if you don't want to sign up for like a monthly recurring thing, Anchor has an option where you can just Aaron's over here holding her tits. They kind of hurt. Where you can um, start, okay? Not just because I'm scared somebody's gonna take them and you eat can, them. Anyways, anyways, Anchor. So you can just search one more crime podcast on Anchor. Um, and it lets you just do a simple donation if you just want to help us out. We would appreciate it. Um, that is awesome. Yeah. We're trying it out. So we switched, like, hosting platforms. So if there's some weird stuff happening with our podcast, that's why. It says it's not supposed to. I don't believe it. Hey, gotta be optimistic. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. Okay. So we'll see. So if there's any glitches, that's why. Um, you can follow us. Share us. Don't forget to leave a review. And that's all I got. I'm like, I think that's it. I think, I think you covered it. it. Got it. The so end. We'll see you next week. Bye. See ya.